0: Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the Ty Reed Film Movie Debate Podcast, hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. I'm Will,
1: white woman's Instagram Johnson.
0: This is so accurate. I, I'm glad you picked on that song. I was hoping that was going to come on. Folks, we're damn glad to have you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, but for now, the gloves are off and Hissy Fit is on this week. We have a charming, adorable, talented guest. We're here with Annie Banks from Chuckload of Comics from the Movie Web. She's here to talk to us for two episodes. Today, we've got her here for Bo Burnham's Inside. It's been recommended by our guest, Annie Banks. Annie Banks, say hi to the folks.
2: Hi. Hi to the folks.
0: There you go. There you go. Our format is this. The recommending lover goes first. In this case, with our guest, she will go first. She will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower her praise and state her high-minded case. The second lover of this, which will be William Johnson, will also follow up with Every bit as much information that is good and clean and fun, but less than Annie's. The hater is me. He will follow up last with five uninterrupted minutes of my own to present any counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. It's not going to be that spicy now because Bill Burnham's a good guy. After that, we are going to open it up to shared conversation with a his if it really gets chippy, but also adorable and interesting because we have good, po- fo- good folks on here. Will, we good for this? Let's go
1: uh yeah i have uh no problem i'm not a problem going forward with this so
0: all right annie I'm if you're okay this whole with damn this damn
1: episode so get ready
0: Uh-oh. We, I if we all had more talent we probably could sing this whole thing
2: oh we're not gonna harmonize oh
0: have you heard will talk in any fashion or form you can har- if you can harmonize against that that's like you know snuggling up next to sandpaper good luck
2: i'd rather take the sandpaper sorry will
0: Will might have extra sandpaper with all that wood he's got on his desk. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Folks, we're referencing a a six foot tall model of Groot that is on his home office desk, which is obnoxious and hard. hard
1: Sorry, I was still recovering from that horrible uh, diss I took. I mean, true. I, I don't blame you. Yeah, Annie, but still, I mean, mm. I like to think I'm better than sandpaper, but that's fine, <laughs> whatever. Uh, we'll snuggle, it's okay. All right, I always got Don to snuggle with.
0: So. You've true. got Don, yeah, you've I've, done. I've got my love to keep me warm, right? Like yeah. the song says, uh, Annie, you know, bring the crochet knitted softness to the sandpaper of us to open this up for five minutes.
2: All right, i got a timer have... on you. I, I have a little timer set oh, for myself. <laughs>
0: when you're done, I'm, I'm going to looking
2: at my stopwatch right now. Awesome. Um, when
0: you're done, I'll hit the silly bell that we got for the show. Fire wonderful, away.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so I, I was saying this before we went on air. Um, I grew up with Bo Burnham, and I really generated this... Not, I'm not going to call it a parasocial relationship, because that's not a great thing to have with someone, but it is just this unrelenting fondness of what someone who lives... In a digital age, through a digital narrative, experiences and how they are open and transparent about how they perceive the world around them. Um, Bo has always taken ideas and thoughts and current events and brought them together in this very truly poetic, almost disarming mean where you, you think that you know something or know someone or feel a certain way, and then you need something to just snap your attention out of it and really shock you back to reality. And I think that he, as a comedian, as a writer, as a a performer, as a person, is really skilled at doing this. Um, With Inside, I view it as a time capsule of the last two years and kind of a reflection of how the United States has has decided to pick and choose its strengths and weaknesses, told from a more creative and artistic aspect. I don't see anyone else being able to approach such delicate and sensitive topics with as much humor and and rawness and grasping that levity of human nature as Burnham does through Inside. Um, And he, he did this all himself, which is amazing how cinematic he can bring something like this from isolating himself literally inside and using every metaphorical standpoint and allegory and just creating this really deeply emotional, very introspective special. And I know, I know some people may say it's not a movie, but I consider it my runtime run- instead of how it play- pieces itself together. Um, but just sharing a moment of reflection and through these, these clever and witty songs and numbers and the way that he takes storytelling and elevates it past, this is, what ha- this is what is happening and, oh man, this sucks. It's this is what's happening and here's how I feel about it. And we don't really ask each other, hey, how are you doing with such sincerity? And I think that the core of Inside is Burnham addressing an audience. And he doesn't know them personally, but it's, hey. How are you, you know, and you get to experience, interpret of that and experience it and, and run with it. And um, I think it's a really introspective and very macro lens at his own life as an influencer, as a celebrity. And how he decides to cope with that, and then he just copes with everyday things—things things that people, real people, deal with, where you don't <laughs> realize that it's such a human and real thing to go through. Um, from posting on Instagram to facetiming with your mom to turning thirty, to you know, it, it's it's so human that you feel heard and you feel understood, and it's it's very endearing. Um, I, I grew up with him. I, I follow him on YouTube. I followed him on Vine. I really enjoyed most of his work. I used to watch his specials on Netflix. And I think that him using Netflix as a medium to retell everything that has happened to him is just a a, a perfect way of doing that. Um, While not saying, hey, my life is great. It's, hey, here's my reality. How does this match up with your reality? Let's talk about it. Let's open up about it. Let's, Let's think about this. And watch how I can take these struggles and just blow it up into something more, where, yeah, I'm struggling, and then, yeah, I may need mental help, but at the same time, it's okay to open up about that, and it's okay to to just pour that all out, and it feels really good, and you feel a wave of relief just washing over you at the end of this special, where you have any day now, close us out over those credits, and, and the credits advocate for mental health awareness, and making sure that despite what each and every one of us has gone through, that we're, we too are going to be okay. And that we get to use this as a coping mechanism that not a lot of other people have if you're not connected to internet. Um, it's a privilege to watch this come to life and kind of grow and reflect on it, especially as time comes on, as we make another lap around the calendar and we get to watch how this ages. I think it's going to age with grace. and I am proud to say that it's going to age with grace. And I have three seconds left.
0: Look at that. Man. <laughs> Will, you got to follow she's,
1: that. She's better at this than I am.
0: Uh, yeah, I know. Annie, are you free on like Friday night <laughs> to record? You're in the same time zone. it got to be easier. Yeah. <laughs> no.
1: yeah. I no, I, uh, I got to get my timer up because I'm not focused. See, I'm not even, I'm not even, what am I doing? All right. Timer. I am ready. Okay. So uh, I'm going to follow up a little bit with what Annie's saying as a fellow lover of this special. I am want to go a little bit deeper into the, you know, uh, what Annie was talking about, about how it's okay to discuss these things. I think we're noticing, um, of course, I'm going to tie it into Marvel, but that's just the way it goes. So deal with it. But one thing that I've noticed about let's take the most popular franchise on the planet, which is Marvel, is one thing I've said that it's it's had a success is because its characters are vulnerable. They are the opposite of the 80s action hero or the anti-hero of the 90s. You know, you can have Chris Pratt crying. You can have Tony Stark having panic attacks. And then post-Endgame, we've got all of these shows about mental health and grief and trauma. And and, and this is in the mainstream now. I mean, we're talking about the most popular franchise on earth so you get something like netflix which is a very huge thing uh and you do get a comedian like bo burnham um who has kind of i am not as well versed in it as perhaps annie is or i don't know what don's history is with bo burnham but um you know i've seen him in some of the movies he's done i don't know if i've seen a lot of his comedy specials but you know one thing that he was Whether he's directing and writing Eighth Grade, which I think is a fantastic film that really captures that, not only that digital age of the youth, uh, of what they have to deal with now, especially if you're a woman or a girl, um, but also, like Annie was saying, those everyday things that we have to deal with. I mean, when I was in eighth grade, 900 years ago, I mean, I didn't have cell phones and texting and Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff, but I still had, you know, I was still nervous around girls or, you know, uh, afraid I'd look stupid in something or embarrassed with my parents or whatever. Um, and then of course, you know, he, even his character in Promising a Woman, I know he's not, yeah, you I know, he did write that or direct that movie, but his role is very, you know, in that zeitgeist of, you know, uh, how we take, how we can have this surface level of comfortable, Um, you know, fairly attractive. I don't know if Bo Burnham's like hot or whatever. (laughs) Like he seems like an attractive young man to me. I don't know. Um, But how you can have that comfort level of thinking you have this uh, individual that you can trust based on their appearance. And then you find out they have a wicked secret. So he's kind of tapped, he's kind of tapped into that, whether it be the roles that he plays or uh, in the movies or what he's written and directed. So, to see this special late, uh, what I was worried about was people have been raving about it for so long, you know, that I thought, okay, it's never going to live up to that. I mean, I have that problem all the time. I'm I'm very slow to catch up on things. I recently watched There Will Be Blood, you know, and everyone was telling me it's a masterpiece, except Don. Everyone was telling me it's this masterpiece. It's one of the greatest films of the 21st century, blah, blah, blah. I, I love the film. It was very good. But I was always like, I at the end of it, I was like, yeah, it's just a film. I'm fine with it. I, I'm glad I watched it. I, I don't think it's like, you know the cornerstone of cinematic civilization, like many did. I thought it would be the same thing would happen with this because everyone was talking about this special for a while. Um, you know, I, I know in the end it ended up getting some Emmy love. I, I guess that means it's not going to get any Oscar love, at least in the music categories, because I guess they're qualifying it as TV, which is what Spielberg always wanted. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I thought, okay, the hype for this is not going to make this good. But from the minute I popped this in, the music hit me. I was in love with it. I was down. I was I was there to take it. And I think I have seen some criticism from some friends of the pod, you know, kind of saying, well, how can Bo Burnham t- be talking about income inequality when he's filming this with all the high-tech equipment and his $3.5 million house? And I'm kind of like, well, the way I look at it is kind of, well, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if Don would agree with this, but, you know. Uh, before I was a teacher anyway because that's kind of like my calling is to be a teacher like I worked in insurance so if another company told me hey guess what you'll be doing the same exact job but we'll pay you two million more a year I'm going to take the two million and still live my life based on my morals and my codes and things like that one of my favorite bands of all time is Rage Against the Machine it is ironic that a band talking about all these great causes and things like that would be paid millions of dollars by a mega corporation, you know, uh, studio, but I, I don't think you have, just because you take money or make money based on how the market states it, you can't also have a statement. So a lot of the things that he says in the special, I think ring true. And I think there is kind of, and I, I'm going over, but I'll just give you like one more second. Essentially there is, and I felt this too, because I, I had a nice comfortable background as a kid. My parents were pretty well off. So I had a lot of privilege. There is a guilt to that, especially when you see the misfortune others have. Should he give all his money, as he says in his song? No, but at the same time, do something with your platform, and he does in this.
0: Sorry, right. I was five, five minutes and thirty seconds. Yeah, you're good. I'll go four thirty and even the whole thing. Because no. I
1: went, out, I really, yeah, went went
0: all. You're about right. It, you're as right. As usual.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> No, no, no thing there. Oh, no. So I guess I have the hater slot. I really can't, you know, call it a hater kind of place to be. My history of Bo Burnham kind of dates back to he was still kind of doing his thing when um, when I was a younger teacher. I can't say college because that was 20 years ago. But uh, no, he um, a friend of mine turned me on to his his music and his songs. and, And yeah, he's hilarious. The man is. Um genuinely very funny he he has the balls to say things and put things together in lyrics with a pizzazz better than people twice his age and twice his talent uh yet at the same time he has an immense amount of talent and to see him kind of mature uh which is a weird word to say for somebody under thirty in a way, but there's still room to mature no matter how old you are if you're four or thirty four and to see him become the writer and the filmmaker and to be a person who's very in touch with, like like Annie's saying, kind of that digital native generation, uh, he speaks to that and he and he champions that. And I, I really admire him for that, definitely for sure. And um, I got to this – so I, I knew his stuff. Um, I can't say I'm a super ardent, hardcore you know, checkbox clicking follower to his thing. I've seen his comedy specials in in different parts like that. And, and yeah, his work is, like I said, second to none. The guy is just rapier wit that most people just don't have. And to see him apply that to song, especially in a movie uh, on a, well, I want to say this is a movie, but to apply this, as Will said to a special like this is really solid because yeah, you see him in his, in his most driven form in terms of, as a creator and that is something i completely admire about the specialist because you know strip all away all the per, you know, the production that could come from elsewhere and just be like hey this is what i can do look what i can do and at the same time let me speak about something because he has been that voice for for his particular generation and i and i admire that about him uh, as a special this is yeah this is easily one of the finest comedy specials you can ask for uh, anywhere on any platform i mean he this is Uh, an immense uh, personal work. This is an immense uh, production piece because this is, you know, uh, very almost Rob, Rob Rob Rodriguez, you know, uh, you know, shot edited, starring and cut all by him. And the man is savvy. The man is good at what he does. But at the same time, uh, yeah, there is, I guess, I don't want to say there's a divide. And I do wonder what Andy wonders how this will age, because I admit, I I'll be the oldest guy in this room of three of us where it's not that his message of mental health isn't lost on me and it's not that his, uh, speaking of, you know, it, and his choices of humor are lost to me because I'm laughing my ass off at, you know, white women's Instagram and my mom on FaceTime because I have those moms and I know too many white women on Instagram too. But there's a place where like, Oh, I, I, I get to a place where I'm watching him where I'm like, all right, that's all well and good in, in the small dose of what it is. But then it kind of pounds up, you know, it just keeps going. And I'm not, I guess the Bo Burnham for me is the Bo Burnham that comes in smaller doses, a song at a time, putting it all together in one big special. And as a chronicle to to the COVID times, is very commendable. Cause like I said, putting this together as a special and as a, as a uniform piece is pretty good. I, I, you know, I guess I have to put my, my silly, you know, wool, woolen hat on to be like, all right, is this a film? And that's where I go. It's cinematic for sure. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I'm very glad it's getting the love where it's getting in the Emmys. Cause this is still a, a television piece. This is kind of long form. You know, this is him putting episodes of pieces together to do one kind of uniform thing. Now is, is something like Richard Linklater's boyhood, any different, just stretched out over 12 years? Probably not. But it, in terms of place and purpose of where it goes, it, it, it went for a movie more than something that's like a comedy special. It, could could someone slot this as kind of an autobiographical documentary, maybe? But that at the same time, you still have a Bo Burnham that is—I don't want to say winking at the camera, but at the same time, you know, showing off for his own camera. Where, uh, yeah, this is where the generational divide lands for me. Where I have to ask myself not not in the not in the same way that the wills you know our common people our peers are talking about Where like how can i feel sorry for the for the very rich white guy who just can't you know who has no problem making ends meet, but can you know make all the production things he ever wants to do like i'm not gonna be the person that devalues this as a like cry for help like and a cry for help from a person who kind of needs to look at wants and needs and look at how he probably doesn't need help but at the same time i'm one of those people who can realize that mental illness kind of like crime, doesn't have an address and doesn't have a socioeconomic level assigned to it where anybody can kind of get to that place. White collar, blue collar, no collar. So for Bo to kind of create what he creates, put together what he puts together, I will tip every hat in the world at creativity in terms of message and in terms of you know bigger purpose. And, and I know the nitpicky part of the film part really isn't something towards it, but yeah, I'm just kind of more medium than anything guy's brilliant what he puts together is is daring and amazing but i i'm not his target demographic i guess i have to say it like that and i'll be the the crusty old man in the room who says it like that all right folks uh please break for a little bit here for us so we can make a short announcement from our sponsors we know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself well now you don't have to Hang out with Ruminations of Redrum, all things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out, but hurry. The killer's behind you. All right, and we're back. All right. Whew. We all got our five minutes on. How do we feel? Uh, well, I just wanted
1: to uh, go off of something you said. Okay. because uh, I think the open I think,
0: discussion think, begins. Fire away.
1: I think there are two aspects of quote-unquote needing help. Yeah. Um, I I mean, yes, in terms of having access to probably higher end doctors and prescription medicines and, uh, you know, living with, you know, let's say affordable health care or whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it. He does have those advantages. But one thing that I've learned about mental health, as I have those issues myself, is it affects anybody. It doesn't discriminate Mm -hmm. against class. It doesn't discriminate against race, you know, any of that stuff. So. You know, you could be the richest person in the world and the most depressed, you know. I agree. Regardless of your access or your wealth, you still can suffer because Mm -hmm. one thing I I always would learn from one of my mentors in college, and I've always tried to tell people, especially the kids that I teach that have some of these issues, I tell them, if you break your leg, what do you do? You go to the doctor, get it set, put a cast on, get it fixed. It heals. Your brain is no different than anything else in your body. If it's a muscle that's damaged, you get it fixed. So I, that's how I kind of approach it. It, it, To -hmm. me, it doesn't matter, you know, so when you say something like he might not need the help, I think in certain aspects, yes. Like he doesn't need to worry about getting a job perhaps, you know, in, in a certain industry, but he can still have major mental health issues that need to be addressed. And he does, he could need help in that regard. And I think, this is his creative way of addressing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think like the creative part, I don't question it's the, what am I trying to say? How do I say this? Um, it's the do I, uh, this is going to be a really shitty way of saying it, but like, I don't, my pity level for him is not very high. You know, my, my under my, like, yeah, I don't, I, I know that's a shitty way of saying it, but I don't, I don't say I don't feel sorry for him but i am not going to you know do the whole puppy dog thing of oh bo i hope you're okay i just hey good job i hope you find your help you know good it's good that you're talking through this but you know you're going to be all right good luck go to the next thing
2: sure but no, it's interesting that you said uh, i that, mean, that. I'm like, that guy you, just, you, you don't you know what i mean like it, because this is so open to interpretation and how mm-hmm. we have our own relationships with mental health and dealing with mental health I think a lot of the subject matter that he brings up in his performance, including you know ideas of suicide and self harm, that's not something you take lightly, and that's not Mm -hmm. something you joke about. I don't think that if he he either is you know he feels himself recovering from this or it's a very real threat for him. I don't think that's something that he would toss his hat in the ring and say, "Oh my God, I'm going to kill myself at 40," and then cash in millions of dollars. You know, like that. That sounds inherently greedy and it sounds like really manipulative. And I can't
3: yeah. I I can't imagine
2: someone being able to just profit off of very real issues and very, very scary issues.
0: I I admit I have a head scratching pause about that. Not that I at the end of the day my head scratching goes, nah, the guy's fucked up and he's got some things he's got to get through. And this is his way of doing it. But at the same time, like there's a bit of a still hey look at me factor to it. Like it still is it's it's still an attention craving thing
1: no I, that's the thing
0: is to a degree to i degree. think
1: i think what saves that from feeling that way for me mm-hmm. is that he addresses that point blank like he'll yeah. have these little things like um he has these little choruses like greek choruses that talk to him during his songs which i love where it'll be like i'm a white yeah. guy that can help and it'll be like good job good job
0: like uh-huh, uh-huh. you know
1: like oh bingo you got it or you know he'll say things like hey, this is this is something that uh, I can do, but will also give me all this attention. Like he kind of jokes, like, of course it's the white guy that thinks he can save the world. And, and I think the song, and, and so I'm going to make a weird comparison here like I always do in every episode.
0: It's <laughs> my favorite but, part.
1: But like, <clears throat> I noticed when you have really good music,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, even in something completely ridiculous. Now, I, I know that, People watching inside probably are not thinking about Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Oh, my God. But but Walk Hard. I'm thinking
0: about it now, let me tell you. But but Walk
1: Hard actually has this beautiful ending song, like where, like, you know, uh, John C. Riley's like, Dewey Cox essentially is like summing up his whole life. And it's, of course, it's absurd. Mm -hmm. But the song is constructed so beautifully yeah. And it's it's so affecting that, like, even though, you know, you're watching something really stupid on purpose, like it still has that power to move you, even though it's silly. And I, I thought the same thing with um, with the not uh, I, I think it's the all eyes on me song in this yeah. movie, yeah. where I found myself like, you know, not only like kind of like, wow, this is a beautiful song. But also he addresses those things you're talking about where it's kind of like at one point in the song, it's almost kind of he has these moments that are really kind of haunting throughout the special. Like there's that one part where he's got the knife and he's like, thanks for take like listening to my content. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, what is he going to do with that knife? Same thing with that song. There's a point in that song where he's like, you know, the whole song's like, put, uh, you know, uh, get your fucking hands up. Keep your eyes on me. And mm-hmm. at one point he just gets so angry. Like, no, look at me. Look at fucking me. You know, like. Mm-hmm. and I was so like, not only was I moved by the song, but then suddenly I was like, oh my God, like this is, it's hard to explain and put into words, but like yeah. all that came before it, it's like, it, it's, it's kind of like he's admitting that it is like attention grabbing and that is the problem. I think yeah. he's like admitting like, Hey, I am doing this for attention. And this is part of the equality problem is that, yeah, mm-hmm. Netflix will pay me to do this. Yeah, and I think there's a guilt in there. I think he feels guilt about that.
0: I see what it, you mean because at, at the end of the day, people who are having similar feelings, and especially during COVID, where you know some of his songs speak to just the the isolation that this time period has brought on a very many large amount of people. I'm very thankful to you know have a family and a home and all the things that keep keep me buoyant, absolutely. But but to you know at the same time. It's one am I? I forget where I was starting with that, but the idea of, um, that, here, I'm going to date myself with a comparison. Like mm-hmm. at some point I wonder, like even, even while admitting the bit, you're still making a bit where at like, is he Andy Kaufman? Like, is he living the life? Like, like the meth almost, I don't want to say like the method comedian. But there's a part of, like I said, there's a head-scratching pause point for me where i like, Bo Burnham, you're brilliant, you're good, you're hilarious, and you, you are a commitment to the bit. But at the same time, like, hey, you know, you, the bit can either turn off or turn down. But if you can't because of the problems that you're having in expressing, I get that. But at the same time, I have that pause point of like, hey, that's a lot of bit, buddy. I don't know. Terrible comparison, though.
2: Now, what part of this do you think was a bit? Do you think the idea of being more of a
0: um, tortured,
2: tortured individual, or
0: yeah, no,
2: performative, I, I was, or because he makes jokes about, yeah, especially like, white white men being performative in comedy in other mediums.
0: Oh no, sir, and I think there, like, that
2: self-aware that there's a lot of yeah. self-awareness. Do you think there's a part where
0: I t- that's the thing? I tip my hat to the self-awareness and the sub the self-deprecating humor, because I have that myself all the time where I, I, I work, oh my gosh, I work, you know, 99% of the kids I teach with the two Hispanic kids in school are African-American where, you know, they they like to, there's a lot of times where there's a good white blame that belongs to certain problems. And I'm like, you know what, guys? Yes, that, you know, I can't help you. I won't defend the other people of my color because we're wrong and we're exactly wrong for this reason. And I can have that self-deprecating humor to it. Or I can put that spin to it at school and it just goes, hey, this guy gets it, at least in a way where he can understand that, there are faults out there that are completely in like, I, I won't get in a pearl clutching tizzy about, you know, anybody who steps to a white person, though we deserve the bullshit we get for no, a place where he, where I go, is this a bit? And is it too far? Is he just putting this on to make this look better and glossier than it, than it is. Maybe is that same song of all eyes on me, like to even admit it still kind of says, Hey, I know it. Wink, wink here. We keep going. That's a spot out of a couple. I'm trying to think more specifically to others. Um, I don't know. Um, What was the silly bit where he was, like, reviewing his own video? Oh, where into... he did the
3: Twitch stream. Yeah. Where he was on Twitch
2: with the sock puppet. The sock puppet. Yeah. No, no.
1: Yeah. That, the, one, the one he's talking about is the... Um... The, the one screen. where it's the unpaid intern, which I was thinking oh, about when you were oh, talking about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Because okay. The, it ends up, keep, it keeps replaying him, yeah. responding to the response to the response, and I thought which, that was really
0: interesting. But no, s- super smart and a fun way of doing it, but at the same time, yeah, like, that's, compared to the other things he's talking about, that's more of a whimsy and a whim and a superfluous thing. Now, I'm not saying you have to go hard the whole time, have some right. lightness and break it up, but, yeah, there's still a... I'm waking at the camera cause look what I can do. And of course, here's the technology I have to really make it look good. And I, like I said, I can't fault the guy for it. He's making really good things. Yeah. It's, it's just, um, I don't know, a smell test and a tough point. I can't put my finger on it either.
1: No, I get you. I get you. There's, yeah. there's some things that are, I don't want to say they're easier because I don't have the talent to pull this off. Like he does at least oh. in, in terms of all the levels that he can do it in terms of writing music you know, because there's all kinds of, uh you know, types of music in this. But yes, I guess what I mean is, is like the Socko puppet thing that Annie was talking about uh, that the the whole um, uh, what is it like uh, industry like, you know, you see those corporate speak documentaries where people are, you know, people are talking self-seriously about selling something. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like inside where he's talking like in the black and white. And he's looking away and he's like, hey, I got to sell wheat things, you know, like there are those are easier targets i think like i i know what you i think i know what you're saying don it's like okay when he when he started singing that song this is how the world works trees and oh. animals and i was like okay where's the catch the catch is coming and then yeah. and then when the sock puppet comes out and is like i exist in a liminal space between life and death and then, and then he starts talking about all the horrible things in the world about how the world yeah. is built on blood and genocide i was like I mean it was funny. I laughed uh-huh. really hard. But oh, yeah. at the, but at the same time I was like, okay, that's an easier I think the more affecting stuff is Yeah, it it's when it gets a little bit deeper into the mm-hmm. the fragility of the mind and
0: yeah, and the things like
1: that. So, so and, and, and this is I think an issue with all comedy special I like to listen to a lot of comedy albums like when I go to sleep and stuff. And yeah. sometimes I end up listening to the whole thing because I'm just I'm just engaged, but I think it is diff it is more difficult because this is pretty much straight music with a mm-hmm. couple of little interstitials here and there and a comedy routine is the same thing. it's hard like it's hard to maintain like 80 90 minutes of good comedy without something straying a little bit So yeah, some comedy mm-hmm. albums I'll listen I'm really into it the first couple tracks then I fall asleep because they'll they'll go on a tangent where I'm like, okay, I don't care. And I can see that happening in this for some people. Like I was engaged the whole time, but I can see some people being like, oh, his voice doesn't modulate that much, and we we're getting like 18 more songs of this. Like I can I can see how that might wear someone down after a while. The shtick might get a little old. I don't know. That's I, I can see that. It, it did not happen for me, mm-hmm. but I can definitely see I there was a couple moments where I was like, he's kind of got that weird owl voice a little bit. And yeah, I was like, I was like Yeah, and I was like, okay, he's he's not like changing, like, he, you know, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like when you listen to Bono, like 10 times in a row, you're kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. I get Bono's like routine. Like he's always going to do the same kind of thing with his voice or Metallica. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Headfield always going to go yeah! like in every song. Yeah. So it, this one had that effect a little bit too, where I was like, Oh, he's not really changing up his voice. It's more the content. So I can see that might wear on somebody a little bit.
2: And you make a good point with that, because I think that there's only a few moments of fluctuation, um, especially, and we brought this one up a lot, but All Eyes on Me, where he goes in and he edits his voice and he deepens it and he slows it down and he reverbs it a little bit. So it it kind of, you lose track of the lyrics in a way. Mm -hmm. And it's more, oh my gosh, he's doing something different. I got to pay attention to this because he's doing something different and he better have something important to say along with it. Um we're in the reality of things um there's a lot of repeating of themes and emphasizing of themes i Mm -hmm. you could look at each of these songs and say okay he brings up race gender income equality mental health and um either um like something about genocide or something about the climate change yeah and you could take those themes and track it back
3: mm-hmm.
2: to each song because they all they all play a component. And I think you know there's not a lot of redundancy, but I think it's the presentation of how he does it. I and mean, I think he angles more for quality over quantity, yes. where there's not a lot of yeah. quantity of themes and ideas and and philo- philosophies that he's trying to pitch to an audience in what an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, instead of saying here are my core ideas and please think about them as I sing to you you know it's it, you know it does become a little bit overtrodden you see him kind of backtracking a lot of his, his same material even in past material where he's digging up a lot of the tropes that he used to work with when he was touring and on stage and, or even through his films. Um but yeah, I think you make a good point where it really needs to resonate with a certain audience. And this is something that can polarize something very quickly.
1: Yeah, there's, there's two examples I can think of, one that supports what Donna's is saying and one that supports maybe what me and Annie are saying. Mm -hmm. the the, the one the one is with the bit is like for instance there's two bezos songs the first one is genius like i've listened to it like 45 times like Mm -hmm. jeff bezos like it's so addicting and like yeah and i I get what he's trying to say and everything but then there's a second one which is not quite as successful where it's like he just goes jeff bezos jeff bezos you know he just kind of says it over again it's not as creative it's not as interesting Mm -hmm. so i can see that as maybe like a bit that doesn't work however in terms of maybe like we were talking about like him maybe putting on a little bit of a – you said something on Facebook, something about putting on a skin for artistic purposes I think is what you said. I can't remember what –
0: Yeah, like, like that. that's kind of my head-scratching pause point is like is he putting on this I, – I, kind of like I said, like, like an Andy Kaufman thing like – like, will the real Andy Kaufman show up? Is like what people like. Hey, man, turn it off. Like, what's the real Andy? And I'm not saying right. the Jim Carrey movie is the most ultimate version of like, hey, look what he was underneath the persona we saw on camera and the 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 bit, you know, the the thing that we always see him do. And I know that's a you know a really wild analysis to go to a Jim Carrey biopic, but all that. But like, uh, I, I, I there's a part of me, like I said, that kind of stops, pauses, rubs my chin, and wonders how much of this. Is Bo Burnham, you know, uh, I don't want to say exaggerating, but uh, but how much is is this him just, yeah, just how well, much of this is he putting on and wearing for the sake of like, hey, I've become the voice for this. I, I'm not saying I, you know, I believe my own things enough that I've now become it, but like. I don't know you're, what I'm trying to say. Like, like
1: I know what I think I know what you're getting at. This yeah. is where I wanted to counterpoint it a little bit. Is I, that I, to me, yeah. there's two songs. The second song of the movie is called comedy, and it's kind of this brilliant, like, of oh. course, like the brilliance of my comedy, there's this awesome part, which is hilarious, where it's like, hey, if your house is full of smoke, call me up and I'll tell you a joke. Like, of yeah. course, my humor will save the world. He goes back to that line, you know. Or there's a moment in comedy in the second song where he says something like, Oh no, should I be joking at a time like this? Of course, I'm white and I'll help you, and blah blah blah. And he comes back to that at the very end. He repeats those lines, but he says them like, That's ridiculous. Like, why the hell would you, if you know, if you're surrounded Mm -hmm. by white men in white clothes, why would me telling a joke do anything? Yeah, and uh, should I be joking at a time like this? Absolutely not. So, like, it's kind of like he is playing that bit of like, Mm -hmm. you know this is absurd and ridiculous and of course i'm the white guy that's going to help and he's kind of having that self-acknowledgement of like this is funny but he comes back to it in a more serious way much later it's almost like the core thesis of the thing is that yeah you can be funny but the world is still going to go to shit around you Mm -hmm. regardless Mm -hmm. of how funny you are and i thought part of his mental health played into that because he's so depressed and he's so miserable and he you know maybe he was trying to pep himself up like i gotta go to work and you know, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, he's like, oh, shit, no, I, it doesn't matter. Like, I can be funny, and it won't change a thing about how this world is collapsing. And I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of a downer, almost, to to the whole experience in a way. So I, I didn't catch that as a bit, maybe. Okay. Yeah. But
2: you make, no, you're, it's, it's not a feel-good special. I don't, no, I, don't I think remember so kind of staring at my screen and trying my hardest not to just like cry afterwards because I was like, I don't know what to do with myself emotionally, you know, and I, I really had to for a minute I had to consider who I was gonna suggest Bo Burnham's inside to to people to what they were looking for something new to watch just because mm-hmm. of the sensitive state of the world. It's true, I true. didn't know how if this could set someone off, if this could upset someone, you know, because at the heart of it it is a comedy special. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, uh, autobiographical. Auto, you know what I mean. I can't say the word. But it's a very intimate look at this person who is struggling or presents himself as struggling. Um, and I, I, just didn't know how to digest it fully without being mm-hmm. like, I am going to be sad for the next week. You know, because it, it's not disturbing. But it's very mo- emotionally.
1: I think it's disturbing, actually. I think, you would I, say it's disturbing. There's a number, it's but a disturbing there curse, is a, yeah. there's a number of sequences that really disturb me. Like uh, the one, the one that sticks with me is that one I was talking about with the knife.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, where
1: he's he's holding that steak knife, and now I maybe I was expecting a little something different because when I pop this on Netflix, you know, it says it's rated TVMA for profanity and suicide. Of course, and I he he was so there was such a, a, a kind of a bent of scariness to this that I honestly thought like, I mean, I know he wouldn't do it for real cause it's a movie and a special, but mm-hmm. like part of me was just thinking like, Hey, thanks for ingesting my content guys. And then he's just going to slash his wrist and blood's going to go everywhere. Like, I know yeah. I
2: was in the same boat as you. I was like, there's no way, you know, cause I looked at that MMA rating and, or MPA or not MMA fighting, but <laughs> MPA rating. And I was like, okay. Um, knowing his content in the past and even seeing his past work, where he does tread into more emotionally
3: mm-hmm.
2: upturned territory Good where word. you need to prepare yourself um embrace yourself for what might happen because you don't know what's going to happen but i i really did not expect it to plunge so deeply when he did pull out the snake knife and i was like oh my god like that, my my first instinct was like there's no way that he's gonna do something drastic and they're gonna air it
0: yeah, no, and then I
2: kind of was like, "Wait, could they do something Yeah, and, and, and
0: maybe that's Hold where I'm on. sitting here, and maybe that's where I'm sitting here with the idea of a skin in a bit, like to even plant that in there, because he's not going to do it, and Netflix won't let him do it, and this would never see the light of day of being published, you know, to even plant that there in a in in like in like Andy's kind of suggestion, like in a, in a way that could trigger audiences. I'm not saying this is, you know. um, this is not like the Netflix show on suicide was at 13, um,
1: 13 reasons why
0: 13 reasons why like I, I we're not going because this is a comedy special we can kind of take a step back and go hey hey, he's a performer he's 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 being funny don't worry he's okay versus you know really emulating harder angst and in difficulty and in situations where it's I that's that's me going all right now you're 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 reaching, you're planting a little harder here so. Yeah, no, but But I get it. But but if the stuff has crossed his mind and that's where his head's at, and you present it in that kind of way with a with even 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 if it was as far as a wink and a smile, like, hey, I got here, I could get here, but it's okay, I'm gonna get past it. Some of this helps me do so is to express and have an outlet.
1: I know that you're (laughs) you're gonna be shocked on, but I'm actually going to give credit to a Christopher Nolan movie here.
0: Uh, but
1: what that moment with the steak knife as well as the the point i was talking about in all eyes on me where he's like you know keep your eyes on me fucking look at me like um mm-hmm. there's a there's a great moment in the dark knight which i don't like i'm not a dark knight fan i don't like christopher nolan i don't like the batman movies whatever but there's a moment where uh <clears throat> Heath ledger is he's on video like torturing somebody <laughs> right mm-hmm. and he's doing his like <laughs> smile for the camera look at me look at me he's doing his like goofy voice yeah and then it snaps it Mm -hmm. turns suddenly he goes fucking look at me Mm
3: -hmm. you know
1: and i remember in the theater like i got chills because i was like oh shit like he turned that into like it went from oh this is not this is goofy joker to psychopath and Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that's what bo burnham is doing but in that song that's the kind of emotion i get is that you get this person who's unpredictable And I think that's what he's trying to sell a little bit is, yeah, I can give you this beautiful song and I can make you laugh, but deep inside, I've got this, I've got this darkness in me. And so when I hear that, it actually gives me chills. So that's when I say it disturbs me a little bit is there's moments in this where I'm very like, yeah, he's not going to kill himself on camera. I know that. But, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know, we also know when we watch movies that are fictional, that you know, we still might turn the our moment. head away. If, Absolutely. If, if a character looks like they're gonna kill themselves or whatever. So it's part of the performance piece. It's getting its point across. And I it's think true. that and I think it applies to the entire thesis of the movie, which is doesn't like I said, it doesn't matter if I'm funny or not, because the world's going to shit, you know? And that's mm-hmm. I, I think that's the whole thesis. And in the end, that is not a feel-good movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No matter how much how much I laughed. I've probably never laughed more while being disturbed than I have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll admit that too. Yeah.
1: Any final thoughts on, uh, on it, Annie, that you wanted to kind of say about the film with your experience or anything like that?
2: Um, I think I saw a lot of my own struggles staring me back in the face as I often do with Bob Burnham's work. Uh, Eighth grade was something that deeply resonated with me as I saw my own teen years, just peer through me, peer at me through a silver screen. And reflect on that, and I think that Burnham again does that, where he he understands his audience, and he doesn't take any time to sugarcoat his messages. Mm-hmm. It may feel like that at times, and it absolutely does feel like that at times. And there are some running gags that feel a little bit outdated or um, unaware, and, and not even in the scope of this special, but like in general. Well, he repeat a lot of his old content. Um, And you go, oh, okay, cool. He's done that before. I've seen that before. But with this, I think taking the opportunity to set some time aside, the time that we all had, you know, during that initial lockdown and the initial quarantine, um, and to put something meaningful together from an artistic perspective and a personal perspective and kind of say, hey, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. You can listen to me if you want to, and if not, you know, you're still listening to me. Um, it's very powerful. I was I was moved by this. I was, I, I was hooked. I was hooked on the soundtrack for weeks after this, and it, it showed up on my TikTok at one point. It was when that the the Jeffrey Bezos sound was super popular, and I'd be like, Oh my god, here I go again. You know, I got to go back and watch it, and. Um, I just look forward to seeing how, again, I mentioned this earlier, how it ages and if it's something that I can revisit in a year to five years to 10 years down the line and go, this still holds, which I can and I can't with some other pieces of media, mm-hmm. um, Sure. then if it can hold, it's done something right Yeah. and it's really left an impact. And if it can have that same impact, um, the three of us gathered here tonight, as it can in a year, in five years, in 10 years, as it does now. And we could have very similar discussions Then, then mm-hmm. it's achieved what it is meant to achieve.
0: I think so too. I think as a time capsule, this is perfect for, the, for this, you know, this time that we're all still kind of stuck in, where if we can always come back to this and be like, hey, don't forget, don't forget this period of time where things were really grim, things were really isolated. And we needed to kind of look at it in a certain way then and check on each other and Bo needed somebody to look on it and check on it and speak to it a little bit. How have we done? However many years later that we watch this and reflect on it is if it's been five years, Hey, how much further have we gotten from here? Have we not? Um, what have we fixed? Or what have we not fixed? And do that again in 10 and 15 and 20 years. Like this'll, this'll be a dated time capsule. Someday a Jeff Bezos joke won't really resonate, but at the same time, sure. a guy, a guy stuck in a room to his own devices, whether it's a pandemic or not, will, and that's the kind of thing that'll stick around.
1: Well, I also think it's a a rarity because I think we've got to this point in let's call it Hollywood, but movie making, TV. Very few shows have like very few TV shows and movies have acknowledged COVID. Like they've either ignored Agreed. it, like it never happened. there was a couple commercials I would see when I'd watch football where like there'd be a new show and they'd have like people in mass or like those protecting glass covers. But -hmm. for the most part, because everyone was locked down and not making movies when this happened, like it's almost like it's a missing part, like Mm -hmm. of culture, you know, and that you're not going to see reflected in mass media. So the fact that we do have this may be one of like the, one of the few relics that people will discover in 60 years and go, yeah. What was he talking about? And it makes you dig into the history and go, oh, shit.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, oh, yeah, that's right. There was a pandemic that was, you know, making everyone stay inside. So it makes sense.
0: Not bad, man. Annie, thanks for bringing this to us. Uh, I would have not watched Thank this you. without you. And this was worth it every minute.
2: Thank you for taking the time and sitting down and dedicating your very busy lives to just paying attention and listening and and. Making this well,
1: surprise. we are two white 40 year old men, and this is true. Who, who better to usher in this culture of change than us? So,
2: couldn't uh, have said it better myself. Thank yeah,
1: you, exactly. <laughs> uh, can you give us, before I do the outro, can you give us some places where we can find you? Uh, online? absolutely,
2: I can. You can find me. Um, I am one of the head staff behind chuck gloda comics and then i write on the editorial team for movie web
1: gotcha cool all right well uh all of you you know where to reach annie now so follow us on twitter at cinephile fit and on facebook at cinephile HissyFit podcast also find us both on letterboxd annie are you on letterboxd
2: i am not i do not i, I can't find myself on letterboxd no
0: she is not a 25 year old white male
2: She's I am not. Bro. <laughs> not yet. Maybe in another life, but not
1: yeah. this one. Oh, okay. All right. Well, never mind. Then uh, you'll just find us, the <laughs> the two white men on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hizzy Fit is a 25YO media podcast. It's brought to you by ruminationsradionetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, If you enjoyed this show, we have more where that came from with your entirely interesting white guests or hosts and wonderful guests like Annie. I told you guys 2022 is going to be packed with great guests, and Annie is definitely one of them. So all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows.